So, good evening. My name is Sterni Althaus, and I am a counselor and life coach and member of the ACA. In my work, I love exploring new ideas and resources and hearing about my colleagues who are doing an excellent job extending themselves beyond their work in the community. Tonight, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Mr. Ron Engelman. Ron, you have been an example to the Australian and Israeli community in regards to being a Krav Maga mentor and bringing light to the community and to those who are needing strength and resilience. Can you tell me, Ron, your specialties are in helping men who are young adults and middle-aged access strength and resilience in an environment of safety. Can you tell me more about your background in Australia and that specifically you came to connect with the community? It's very kind of you, Stern, and it's, it's nice to it's nice to speak with you. It's been it's been a while since we last spoke when we last met in uh, in Australia, and uh, now we're on opposite uh, parts of the globe. I'm in Israel at the moment. Um, yes. So uh, I, I was born in Israel. Uh, my dad was born in Australia. In fact, my family originates from Czechoslovakia before the war. So my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And uh, after, after the war, they, uh, they, they immigrated to Australia, where my dad was raised. Um, during the Six-Day War, my dad moved to Israel. We had family, and it, it looked like, um, I mean, those, back then it looked like it wasn't, it wasn't clear at all that Israel would, would make it or survive the war. And we had family over there and my dad knew that he wanted to be there. You know, it, it looked like there could very well be another Holocaust, uh, not so long after the first one. So my dad moved to Israel where he joined the army and that's where he met my wife and my, my, uh, my mother. And that's where I was born. Um, fast forward. I've, I've had my, my, uh, my cousins, my grandparents, everybody from my dad's side was still in Australia and, I'd visit there quite often when I was a kid. And I always felt very strongly Israeli, but also Australian. I felt very much that, you know, this was, uh, this was a place that I, that, that, that was a part of me as well. So it, it was obvious the moment I finished my service, my compulsory service in the army, I knew I wanted to come to Australia. I knew I wanted to, to connect with that, that part of my identity. I arrived in Australia. I studied at, uh, I completed a degree of psychology at the University of New South Wales. Um, that's, that's also um, uh, in Australia where I met uh, my, uh, my wife, Sandra Root. Um, I, I came to meet you as well. Uh, you had a very big part in, um, in connecting between me, me and my wife and making, uh, making my, the, the beautiful family that I have today possible. And, and that's it. And about two years ago, um, not related to COVID, but a little bit before it started, um, we, we moved back to, to Israel to, to, to settle our family over here. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm speaking to you now from Israel. Wow, Ron, I'm so interested to hear more because being a Krav Maga mentor and a background in psychology and a proud Jewish father of two beautiful girls, can you tie all those parts together? Do you see that as one unit? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I guess what, what set me into martial arts and Krav Maga in general was very much my family history. I was, I was exposed from a very young age to, um, to what my 
grandparents uh, went through and what our people went through in the Holocaust. Uh, possibly even a bit too young, but it was a very, it still is a very formulating part of who I am and, and my mission in life. I, I understood very early that, that bad things do sometimes happen to good people and that it's our responsibility to stand up and protect the the people that we love with 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 the with the help of of uh, of god of hashem but it's up to us to to do something about that and that's kind of the eyes through which i trained krav maga um, and martial arts it was something i have friends i have a lot of friends and you know uh, um you know professional athletes and boxing and kickboxing and krav maga and some people go into these aspects you know to be the best to be the toughest to see how good they are and to compare themselves to other and that's certainly a worthwhile pursuit uh, with athletics you know we want to become better and better and you know a guide a very a guideline is is to see how you rank up against other very good people but that was never my uh drive my drive was having skills being good enough to be able to protect the people that i loved and that's through those eyes i was training in martial arts it wasn't so much it was of course i enjoyed it and made me grow but it was it was through responsibility to be able to to uh, safe keep the people I loved. Of course, that's why I joined the, the the military as well in Israel and and went through and you know and fought my way into a prestigious you know combat position in the Israeli Defense Force. Mm -hmm. It was through that. So that that's kind of like the you know the what what drove me and also you know you can't disconnect that from the from the Jewish identity that you know for for thousands of years our people um, fought and were killed. Um, in order to preserve their, their faith and their identity. And it's certainly not something that I would, you know, I, it's certainly not something that I take lightly. It's something that I value very greatly. And it's something that it was critical for me to be able to um, pass on to my children as well, as, as you would want to pass on anything that has great value to you. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of what connects everything. It's it's the understanding that you know that the world is is a fragile place. It can be good. It, it is good. It's it's a very good place. But there are also you know very dark parts of it, and sure. even more so you know when you're Jewish, um, it can be quite a dangerous place. So I knew that if I wanted my if I want my daughters to grow up is uh, to grow up Jewish, then I need to do my part to be able to do everything I can to create a safe environment, whether it's provide them with the tools and the understanding to protect themselves, but also in creating leaders and other people like the instructors I train and the students that I mentor and the people I work for that share the same values that I do and also have the, the, the skills to, to, to stand up because I believe it's, it's, it's good to be, you know, to want to stand up for, you know, for the right things, but you also need to have the ability to do that because if, you know, if somebody else is drowning and you run into the water to save them, but you don't know how to swim yourself, you're going to be a liability yourself and you're just going to make things much worse for the lifeguards that eventually come. And that's kind of my view in terms of, you know, standing up for good and actively fighting evil is 
it's good to have the values to do that, but you also have to have the skills to do that. And the skills don't necessarily have to be um, physical skills. It could be leadership skills. It could be charisma. It could be knowledge. It could be spiritual. But, you know, you got to actively go beyond yourself because, you know, no, nobody's an island. Beautiful. So I love that you spoke about physical, emotional, spiritual, and um, knowing your family and your uh, beautiful wife, Sandra, Ruth, who I got to know and really respect as a person, the spiritual growth, I think, also gave you that, that well-rounded experience to be able to pass this to your children. So it's not just physical strength, but having the spiritual strength and knowledge of who is really behind us and who's giving us the power to be who we are is something really important. And I'm wondering, Ron, in your experience, can Krav Maga help with mental health when struggles a lot arrive, especially now with COVID? Are you seeing that Krav Maga is something that can give people some form of focus? 100%. You know, if we look at, uh, if we're looking at mental health and you're looking at, you know, in, in terms of psychology, um, there's a, a Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the most fundamental need that people have before anything is safety and if i'm not feeling if i'm not feeling safe um all intellectual and spiritual pursuits can't be met um until i'm you know safe from from or at least feel safe from attack until i have food uh on my plate and, and shelter from not you know dying of, of the cold or, or the heat those need to be met before but it's it goes deeper than that. There's also the, the part of of, of 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 feeling safe. If I'm if I'm, you know, how do I put it? If if there's stressors on me and I'm stressed because because of the environment or you know because of COVID brings a lot of it was brought a lot of stress to a lot of us. Whether it's stress to livelihood or stress, the the fundamental abilities of of feeling capable of something as primal as being able to protect yourself from violence that can go a long way in terms of feeling powerful and and of course it's well studied the link between physical uh physical ex exercise and um and uh, mental health so it all kind of links together on the one hand yes if you want I, I i certainly recommend you know people who are suffering from anxiety and suffering from depression um one of the best cures um it's not it's not you know if we're talking about on a clinical level, it's not, it's certainly not enough, but it certainly goes a long way in terms of physical activity. And if we pair that with the ability of, of feeling capable of, you know, looking after oneself from, from, from violence, um, that certainly goes a long way. And, and I've worked a lot with, um, with uh, women who, who've been, who've been um, a subject to, to sexual abuse um, and, and awful, awful things. And, giving the, the confidence back in terms of feeling that, that, you know, you're master of, of, of your, of your body and surroundings, and you, you have something that you can do about that, that goes a long way into the, into the role of, of, of recovery. So I think it's something that, you know, it's a skill that's certainly worthwhile to have, obviously from, you know, from the safety aspect of it, 
if God forbid we're attacked and and you know in the Jewish community now nowadays it's horrible what we're seeing happening in New York and it's been happening for a long time um, what's been happening in in France and in Belgium and in Sweden um, and of course in Israel so these are skills that you know anybody should have but certainly certainly people in the Jewish community have been singled out for attacks again should have but I'm talking about it also goes one one step further um, in terms of for mental health, there's a lot of benefits in walking around going, you know what, if I had to, I could look after myself, even if you're never subject to that. And even if it's not something that that, that really concerns you, it it really empowers you. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know, spiritually is the right word, but it certainly, um, certainly empowers you psychologically to walk around going, you know what, I, I can look after myself if I had to. So Ron, we were talking about the journey when people come with struggles and how it can help them in COVID to have, you know, strength of character, to also know that physical health is so important. And we know from the Torah, one has to really look after their physical health in order to serve God properly. And we know from various Hasidic sources, you know, a small hole in the body is a large hole in the soul. You can't serve God when you're not in the best space. So definitely what you're doing is so important and so vital. Can I ask you, Ron, in your experience, what is the most challenging issue facing singles or families today in your experience? Um, I, I don't know if I'm qualified to, <laughs> to speak about the rest of the world. I, I can speak about myself. Um, yeah. And if, if, if somebody... If it provides use for for somebody for for one of your listeners, then then excellent. But um, sure. I I found one one of the so obviously having good communication is is critical. Okay, but what's important to communicate? Uh, I find find that I had had a lot of difficulty to connecting to the things that that. I want. It, it took me a while. I think in my in my adult life to, to be able to connect and to go um, to have needs for for my own sake. I've always been very much connected um, to towards you know uh, needs for my community, towards my, my children, uh, towards my family, and that's how I, I saw my my role as as a facilitator. I think a lot of um, maybe. Uh, I don't want to say men or women because I have an experience being a man. That that's that's what I know. So I'm, again, I'm not qualified to speak to, to speak uh, on behalf of of uh, of <laughs> of certainly not not on behalf of all women. Um, but uh, um, I think it's something I've seen men in terms of you know responsibility for uh, for caretaking, caretaking their family and the people that they love. And and it's only now in my adult life I, I kind of stop back and I go, wait, what it is that you actually want and whenever i ask myself that question the answer is always um okay to be of service to mm. you know i want my wife to be happy i want my children you know mm. to, to grow up to have what they need and i'm still not very good at answering that question i still don't really know and, and it's a process but these things are in there whether whether you recognize them or not um you know your soul wants things and it wants things you know, for itself, and uh, and same with your partner, of course, um, and and you know, me and me and uh, me and uh, and Sandra Ruth and my, my wife, 
it's no coincidence that you know we found each other and we fell in love we're both very similar we say share the same values and both of us are very very good at you know looking after the people uh, around us that's that's the value that we both got you know growing up and unfortunately part of that has also been canceling canceling ourselves within it um yes so one of the skills that both of us are working consciously in our relationship is one is recognizing within ourselves um, what we want, also what we don't want. Um, yes. And being able to communicate that and having a space in the relationship where you can say, you know what, um, in the right place, in the right time, without it being a criticism of the person, but actually of the situation of going, actually, you know, when we did this and this, or when you said this, um, this is what I felt. And it's very different mm. in, you know, you made me feel. No, 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 no. Yes. Nobody makes you feel anything. You're responsible for your own feelings. But you can say, look, mm -hmm. when this and this happened, this is how I took it. So I, I guess mm -hmm. this, the communication of, first of all, you've got to understand yourself. And also, it can be helpful if you can understand your partner and you can help them. Even if, you know, as, as we're not so good at finding out what we want, helping our, you know, helping each other find what are the things that, that we want or that we don't want? And that just brings the level of, um, of the relationship and the, the intimacy um, within, within the couple. It brings it to a whole new level because we're not That's just beautiful. There. That's really, really special. And to um, articulate that as a man in the relationship, that for both of you having the space to have your, your own needs and self-care as well as as a couple you become much better. And when you can express what it is you do want and what you don't want in a respectful way, I love how you said, not you did, but I feel uncomfortable with such and such. So using I messages, that's mm. so important. And do you think we can get some pointers from your experience, like point one, point two, point three, that would help our listeners in their relationships and finding out what's, what they really want or how to say when they need have a need? in a respectful way um i very it's something that i may, maybe i got you know growing up and through the military service there's very much this idea of ownership um of of you know owning owning your it's ownership and responsibility is the same thing and it's not the same thing with fault right you know if if i get hurt or something happens i i own that it's my responsibility you know i had i had a dealing not a long time ago with with you know uh, with with an employee that you know that really hurt me hurt my business it was something quite hurtful and and the correct way in my mind to respond to that is okay you know if you got tricked in business or you know if something else happens it's very easy to say you know the the world is a cruel place you know it's a bad industry yeah. they're a yeah. bad person and, and, and all of that might be accurate, but none of that is useful information. And if you turn mm -hmm. that around and you go, okay, but with all that being true, what part of this is on me? Not, not necessarily in terms of fault, but what could I or what should I do differently in the future so this doesn't happen? And if you look at life through that aspect, it completely changes things. And of course, in the army, at the end of the day, what they care about is results. There's no room for excuses. You have a mission to do. And you're responsible. And, and the extreme cases, if you don't carry through, um, you and the people that you care about, your teammates, um, will pay for it with your lives. 
So there's yeah. no there's no room to say, well, you know, I wasn't feeling so well, or you know, we didn't expect enemies to come at us from that, like from that direction. So you know, it's not on me. Everything's on you, and not in terms of fault, but in terms of responsibility. When you look at that, that's so empowering, Ron. That's very empowering because what you're saying is, at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. What can you learn from it? What did the situation teach me? You know. The great Hasidic master, the Baal Shem Tov says, every single thing we hear and see is a lesson for our service of God. What mm. did I learn for myself? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better Jewish person? What can I take upon myself from this? Nothing is random. Nothing happens by chance. And even if you were not the perpetrator, but something happened to you, what can you take away for next time? As you said. So I would imagine. My, sorry yeah. to disturb, but in my mind, this is exactly what uh, what the meaning of tikkun olam is, right? Yes. The meaning of tikkun olam is that you have a responsibility to fix the world, right? Yes. Now, what? Yeah. I mean, on Facebook, that, that's that's an amazing claim. It sounds unreasonable. It sounds unfair. Um, it sounds it sounds fictitious. Like, okay, so mm -hmm. me as in like, who am I? I'm not, you know, I'm not the president of, of the United States. I'm not like, I'm going to fix the world. It's like, well, yes, you have a responsibility to do everything in your part um, to make the world with less suffering and yeah. to, to help the people around you. And if you start yeah. doing that, who knows where that goes? Who knows who you inspire? Yeah. Who knows, um, you know, what what you change? And if enough, enough people can go through that, you very much could be, you know, the one to make a change and to fix the world. So for me, absolutely, and it's even more is, so. Is personal responsibility. Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. personal yeah. responsibility to the greatest extent. You're responsible not only for yourself and for your well-being, but you're responsible for the world. Absolutely. And even more so, I think with COVID now, a lot of people have lost faith around the world. I'm not going to name countries. Faith, they've lost faith, faith in their government, in the scientists, in the doctors. And they realize it's up to you. It's up to Hashem now to save us. And each person has to step up. We each have to step up. We each have a responsibility. There's no more relying on a bigger, greater, um, you know, more powerful company or legislature or court or anything. It's now up to me to make the change that I want because no one is going to be able to do it for me. And so can I ask you, these are really powerful points that you're bringing up. Do most people begin the journey from what you're talking about themselves? How does it come to be? That a person like yourself, through being a Krav Maga mentor, through being through the army, um, has been able to come to this understanding. Uh, could you give us some examples, like you did before, of where you've been able to pull these things, you know, pull it up and, and make it happen? Well, as a soldier and as a practitioner of, of Krav Maga, of martial arts, you constantly put in uncomfortable positions, like physically, the most, the hardest some of the most uncomfortable and unpleasant situations, which are challenges, right? It's all about yeah. challenges. You keep on looking for more challenges and then you overcome these challenges. And then all of a sudden, these are things that you can do. They become capable. Like, you know, you, let's go to the most basic. You come to lesson one of Krav Maga with me, right? And I'll put you in front of the bag and you'll hit the bag and it's hard physically. And, you know, it's, it's unpleasant and you're sweating. I mean, it's fun too. And then you see in the other room, you see like the advanced students like punching each other and kicking each other in the head and the face full force. And you're like, no, thank you. That's not for me. I'll never do that. I don't want to do that. That looks like torture. Why would anybody want to do that, let alone pay money to have 
people hit them. Um, and as you go through the levels uh, and as your comfort levels and your skill of ability goes gradually and in Krav Maga quite quickly, actually, you found yourselves doing things that you could never imagine possible and, and they're very much within your level of capabilities. And then, of course, you look for further. It's the same thing in the military all the time. They're challenging you. I found when I, you know, I, I wasn't a very good school student in high school. Um, I actually didn't finish, didn't finish my studies. I didn't f- even finish year 12. I, I had no interest. Um, you know, I had a lot going on at home. Um, I had, uh, we were moving around quite a bit. It wasn't hard for me um, socially as well, changing friend groups all the time. I was always an outsider. Um, so my, uh, my academic studies in high school was probably the last thing on my mind. I was too busy trying to survive. Um, yeah. And I went to the army and that, that was good for me. That was an area where I was, challenges were put in front of me, great challenges that, that uh, you know, I felt that were worthy of conquering. And everyone we went through, you get stronger and more powerful. And that gives you a level of feeling of, um, of mastery over your surroundings and your ability. And then later, you know, some of these things that we did in the army, you know, 80 kilometer pack marches where you, you, you know, you're, you're taking great weights on your back and you're just marching straight nonstop, um, for hours upon hours upon hours where you can't feel your feet anymore. Um, you know, some of your friends, you know, you, you need to push them, pull them along. And just when you think that you're done and you can't stand anymore, that's when the commander says, okay, pull out the stretchers and now they choose that biggest heaviest guy they put him on the stretcher and now you have to carry them for another 10 kilometers right and wow. you know without sleeping without eating without you know you, you go you go on for weeks on end without sleeping and or very very little very very minimal sleep and they, obviously they purposely introduce stressors a lot of a lot of stress so that in you know when we were in combat and when we had to deal with very stressful things, we were up for the task. And then when I went to university in Australia, which was a different, different difficulty, different stress, but it's certainly not, you know, not not easy completing a degree in in, um, in psychology, especially that English was, you know, um, I speak English much better now. But when when I was when I came to study in Australia at university, um, I hadn't spoken English in in many many years. It wasn't my first language, um, and it wasn't easy. But when I was when I was hit with that, you know, after being quite good and confident overcoming challenges, you know, if I had to read, you know, if I had to read, you know, uh, you know, four books in in four days, or you know, if I had to study, I, I find myself when I was studying for for my exams, I'd I'd easily pass five six days where like. I'd read my books and my notes and my highlighters until I passed out at 11 a.m. And sorry, at 11 at 11 at night. And the first thing I, I did when I woke up at five, six o'clock in the morning, I, before brushing my teeth, before washing my face, I'd pick up my notes, continue reading them all the way through through breakfast. Eat breakfast while I'm reading my notes. Eat them, you know, while, while I'm while I'm doing lunch, and, and like pass on four days without having a waking minute without reading myself and I've got ADHD. So that's not, uh, but wow. it's, it's this discipline and that doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes from yeah. knowing 
the extent that you you can do. So I guess what when I come to that is through Krav Maga, through the army, it's a certain skill, it's a certain muscle of meeting challenges and difficulty and overcoming it. And every time you and and it translates to different areas of your life. And every time you you find great difficulty and at some point you start looking for it, not looking for trouble, but looking for challenges, for, for things that are worthy of overcoming. And the more you get there, the, the better you come at. Uh, at so it sounds like a, a discipline, discipline, discipline and a lot of responsibility, as you said before. But also, um, you know, I, I feel that when you can do that, anytime another hard thing comes, you can say, look, I've gone through a hard thing before. I've gone through this. I can do it. It gives you the confidence to go forward. And I'm just wondering, would you have a suggestion to young men and women who are going through into life, changing, you know, to, into a career or going into university or going into a marriage? Can you give them some suggestions about conducting a healthier lifestyle mentally, physically, emotionally that would give them that strength based on your experiences? Um, yeah, I, I think that I've... With with time, I've I've learned. I guess my my nature is, you know, you throw me in the field and I hit the ground running, and automatically, you know, I'll start looking at what needs to be doing, and and I'm a very proactive. And as I'm getting older, I'm I'm learning more the value of actually, when you arrive in a new place, stop for a second, observe, yeah. see what's happening, uh, observe yourself too in that new environment before you run so quickly to make changes and as we say to fix the world and change the world stop for a second observe yourself observe yourself and then choose the right areas of where to apply um apply a pressure so whether it's in a new marriage or a new job or if you're moving to a new country or a new career um stop for a second look around learn a few things understand the environment when it's possible it's not always possible right sometimes you know you find yourself um, I was speaking to somebody the other day, a self-defense expert, and he, he said that, you know, the one of the only things is sudden violence. That's the only thing, that's one of the only times that it demands an immediate response right now on the spot, life and death. But short fight of or that, Yeah, fight or flight, basically. Yeah. But, but yes. short of that, uh, sometimes it's actually good to stop for a second and to see what you're up against and, and kind of learn yourself first. And then from there, then you can you can start choosing you know the right uh, you know the the, the right uh, strategy or the right avenues or the right things forward. So that that's the first thing. Another sure. one is is mm. compassion. I think compassion is yeah. so is is the most fundamental um, value, and I think it kind of underlies all other values. Is having compassion uh, first of all for other people, and that's what gives you you know, the courage and the ability and the drive, that, that's what drives me. It's because I, I love people and, I, you know, I love mm-hmm. I love my, my friends and I love my family and I love my country mm-hmm. and I love people mm-hmm. in general. Um, and I have compassion and compassion and I don't like to see people suffering. That's what, and I understand how much suffering there is in this world and how much, mm. you know, we, we spoke about, about, you know, about, you know, a couple of generations back of how, bad things can be and they still are that's that's what that's what drives me but the last thing i'm, I'm learning now which we discuss is also having compassion for yourself and that's something that didn't come naturally that's something that self-compassion yeah that's something yeah. that i'm still learning it's 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 still a strange concept to me um i didn't grow up with it i certainly didn't have it in the army and it's something that um 
I'm identifying as, you know, just like with fitness, you know, you, you always, you're training yourself to find those gaps, right? You say, okay, I'm good at, at running. I can lift well. Um, okay. But you know, pull-ups, that's my, so I'm going to sit on pull-ups and I'm going to keep on doing pull-ups until I become good at them. And then I'll find somewhere else where there's my gap. Um, so same thing on a personal level, um, is you looking for, so that's, that's where my gap is. And that's where I'm working mm -hmm. is of going, mm -hmm. wait a second, you know, the voice in my head that always says, you know, toughen up, be strong, you know, don't be such a wimp, uh, push harder. Well, there's also a place to stop for a second, go, wait a second, maybe you're hurting here. Um, why is that? What, what, what can we do? It, maybe it's going to, um, I'm still approaching it from a very utilitarian point of view. I'm still approaching it because I, 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 that's the modus I think of, but at least I'm aware of that, of going, okay, we fixed that so that we could be more effective. Um, fixing sure. it so that you could be happier. Um, I recognize that that's value. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> sure. And I wanted to say it's so interesting because, you know, we're in the month of Elul now, which is Yimei Rachamim Yimei Ratzon. And as much as we have to look at ourselves and see where we have to improve on, we also have to look at ourselves and see what did we do well? Mm. And how can we continue doing that well? What can I do to build around me the strength to continue doing well in those areas, to be more compassionate, to be more loving, to be more self-compassionate as well? Um, and I'm just curious, I know that coming from your background and coming to Torah and your wife coming to the Torah, that's made a huge impact in your life. Can you tell us how we can use Torah in our relationships with our children, with our spouse, with our friends and our business? Does that come up for you often now because you're immersed more in the Torah? Um, yes, yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, what leads us in life are our values. That's, I think, the, the fundamental thing. Everything else comes from that, the, you know, where we see ourselves in the world, the missions that we choose, uh, you know, the, the, the pursuits that we seek to the partners we find, it comes from our values. And um, I see, you know, the the values are often they're very much tied for to to traditions to you know in in judaism we have traditions that are you know in in our, our faith that's that's thousands and thousands of years old and there's certainly you know truth in um there's certainly truth and value in there these are things that that have worked for thousands upon thousands of years and if we go from let's say the the, the utilitarian or the scientific uh view we spoke i think a bit about before we went on the air that some people say okay so we have science we have knowledge we, we we know a lot about how things work what do we still need you know religious faith for some people see it as a superstition some people as and i think you would be absolutely foolish to take you know, just on a scientific, I'm, I'm not even talking about religious belief. I'm not talking about faith. I, 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 I am a man who, who believes I have faith, but I'm, I'm talking about it plainly on, on, again, on a utilitarian plane. You'd have to be quite foolish to throw away thousands of years of knowledge that has helped our people go through and helped, you know, mankind, the, the uh, Judean Christian uh, traditions that, you know, these are the foundations from which we, with, we, we take our values and our morality in the Western world. And it certainly serves, served us uh, to create this, you know, 
a beautiful world with all the troubles that we have and their troubles and there's still you know genocides that are happening right now as we speak around the world and there are awful things that are happening and 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 things are scary now more than ever do we need our traditions that have brought us into western democracies and these beautiful pluralistic pluralistic societies that you know we've never had it any better it's our responsibility i believe to spread it to the rest of the nations that don't enjoy you know western so what in particular would you be talking democracy. about family values or shabbat what values in particular resonate for you I don't think that that you you can separate any of them. I think that you know the family values, I think now more than ever, it's so important um, you know to give, the best gift you can give your children is is a stable family with with a healthy relationship between the parents. Um, there's you know nothing if you wanted to guarantee happiness and success of your children, um, money, um, education, uh, everything else, uh, you know, the country you live with in everything else pales in comparison to giving them a solid home where the parents love each other and respect each other. Um, well, buy it. And yeah. so yeah. everything yeah. else pales in comparison. If you want to have happy children, that that's, that that's the first thing. And then also, you know, there's, I mean, how do you choose the, you know, there's, you know, the, the, the idea of, of the Shabbat of, of, of having a separation between where you work and your physical pursuits to your spiritual pursuits, where you stop everything. Um, I think, you know, that's just as relevant um, and more, you know, just as relevant as ever of in this, you know, this genera these times where it's with us all the time, our phones, our laptops, every time we're getting chimes, it's beeping, you know, even as I'm speaking with you on the phone, WhatsApp is going off and the emails are going, going off. It's never ending. Um, and it's very easy to never have any spiritual pursuits because all we're doing is, you know, we're feeding these Facebook and Instagram machines and, and our emails and we're constant working. It's so critical to just pause everything and dedicate to, you know, spending time to your own spiritual spirituality, to spending Shabbat with, with your children and going, you know what, everything, you know, the boss and, you know, your, your employees and everything else right now is on hold. Yeah. And now it's something it's actually something that I found Australians do quite well. Um, yeah. Israelis, you know, we we you know, we were it's it's normal to have business meetings at 9 p.m. Um, that's normal. It's not out of the ordinary, you know, to, to have, you know, to talk to your colleagues, talk to your boss about a problem. 9, 10 a.m. People stay in the office to let like we, we're hard hard workers. And when I arrived mm -hmm. to Australia, you know, it also depends, look, it depends on the industry, but I really like that, you know, that, you know, on Wednesday night at 6 p.m., you call one of your employees and it's like, why are you calling me? Like, is this important? Yeah. Does this have to do, does this happen to do now? And it was kind of an education for me of, of having that separation. So even, yeah. even more so on, on the Shabbat of going, you know what, this day is de dedicated to my soul. It's dedicated to my family. Um, and that gets priority because if we don't do that, then it's very easy that that those things get forgotten. So they, and it's kind of like a detox, just like we do a health detox. We drink the greens and we exercise. Shabbat is like a detox from the rest of the world, the mundane. And it's just our family. It's our it's our bubble. We live in this beautiful Shabbat bubble with our family, our guests, our synagogues when we're allowed to go outside of lockdown, connecting with Hashem and even in lockdown. You know, families are spending a lot of time together and making the time count, making memories. You know, these are the memories that we have growing up, Shabbat, 
with our parents, our grandparents. And if we don't have that, what do we have? You know, every extra email, every extra dollar, that's not going to give us meaning. So I really appreciate you honing in on Shabbat and talking about that special holy day. And um, I'm just curious. I know, you know, as, as, as somebody who runs three, three companies um, and has, you know, unending pursuits between the military and between, you know, the Krav Maga Israel that, you know, we bring people from all over the world to, to, for Krav Maga training in Israel. We have our gyms in Australia, um, you know, the podcast, <laughs> like it never, it never ends. Um, I'm sure anybody who runs a business can, can, there's no end to work. I could, I could work every day from morning to night to next for the next 50 years, and I wouldn't even complete half of the tasks that are important, right? So it took it took it took me a good maybe at least 10, 12 years of of running my own businesses to be able to kind of put the separation. Go, you know what? It's never all going to be done. Um, focus on on the important things. But you know, again, Shabbat. Even if you don't have those skills, the Saturday and the Sabbath of whether you're done or not, it all goes. My, my sister and my my uh, brother-in-law are about to move um, to the United States. Actually, today they're flying. And we were talking about, I've, I've, I've experienced many times moving from Israel to Australia. And there's this moment where you get on the plane. And there's no why. Unfortunately, now nowadays, uh, slowly there's yeah. internet connection on the plane too. But there's for me, it's that moment that I get on the plane. right After the move, I've moved my, and that's it. What's done? Total done. disconnect. What isn't yep. done is not going to get done, and that's fine. That's or maybe right. you'll do the best you can when you meet it the, the the other way. And that's to me kind of like Shabbat, right? Friday Friday night comes along, and that's it. Cut. Whatever yeah. is done is you done. You know, Ron, I wanted to tell you on that point. It's so interesting because in my uh, pursuit, as you know, I'm a teacher, and I also do counseling, and I do the conversion students teaching with the Bethden. And very often my counseling students or my um, girls who are studying conversion lessons or the, and or the boys, they often tell me that the only time that they see each other is on Shabbat because both of them are working so hard. They're putting so much effort into making themselves financially secure or whatever, just to put bread on the table now in COVID. Shabbat comes, it's the only time they can sit down and total disconnect. There's no phone, no email, no TV, no radio, nothing. They have to face each other and talk to each other and hone the communication skills. And whether they're singing with their family, dancing, just eating, it becomes a beautiful, beautiful, not just a ritual, but a connection, a connection. And it's as a family that sits down and does this every Friday night, we'll stay together. This is, uh, this is what kept us together. Uh, one of my favorite things that, uh, up, I just see there. a second. There we go. That's okay. I hear you. you. Okay. The... Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll keep on going. Looks like the camera's on, going, a bit, yes. uh, on and off, but that's that's, that's okay. Fine. So one of I was saying one of my favorite things. Um, uh, I have uh, Hashem, I have a lot of uh, very good uh, uh, Orthodox friends. Um, yeah. And and one of my favorite things was was on Shabbat. Uh, you know, families with Boch Hashem with eight, ten, twelve children. Um, yeah. It's the the Shabbat when it comes around. And it's this place where, you know, the whole family sits together and every child has a place. I mean, if uh, maybe uh, for, for, if some of you listeners who, who are not uh, Orthodox or some of the people who listen to me, like to, to understand, you know, managing multiple businesses 
and mm-hmm. and then also you know looking after Bo Hashem a large family with mm-hmm. with with many kids um it's so beautiful I think it's something that everybody can learn from the Orthodox community it's something mm-hmm. again we're talking about these these traditions it's something that's yeah. been passed on from 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 generation to ge- generation this um almost institutionalized um room for for the family that everybody gets everybody gets a place and and it's it's quite an experience um Shabbat with with a large Orthodox family it's 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 nothing short of beautiful and spiritual and yeah and, and also that every child gets to share something I mean when do you have a chance to even listen to the little children coming home and sharing from what they learned at school or someone sharing a highlight from the week an inspiration a thought you know different people sharing literally looking at each other, not looking at their phone, not looking down at their phone, looking at each other eye to eye and the father and mother or whoever is is there to run the show, so to speak, or grandparent or whoever's the carer, looking after the children and making sure each person's heard. I think it's really important from the youngest to the oldest. And I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, now with lockdowns in many communities, some families haven't been sitting down together in the same, in the way that they perhaps could have or should have. And so Shabbat is something not just for the observant and the Orthodox, but something that people who even keep basic tradition would try and institute keeping Shabbat. And I'm just curious, do you notice um, that younger families are reconnecting with Shabbat or were there synagogues nowadays? Do you notice there's a trend where you live at least in Atanya for younger families to reach out to communities? And why would that be the case? Um, I think I think Israel is, is different. I, I think we could have quite a deep conversation about, um, you know, the roles and the traditions of um, being Jewish in Israel is very different experience mm-hmm. to being, uh, you know, being Jewish in Australia or, or in the United States, things like that. Because you know, it's I don't know, here. Judaism is 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 around you. It's it's everywhere. You know, the holidays are yeah. Jewish. On on you know you on Yom Kippur, uh, you know, there are no no cars on the street. Uh, like the holidays are there. You also, you know, every Friday night, all the Chagim, everybody gets together. I mean, Friday, Friday night in in Israel, it's it, it's really unique. Even in, in completely secular cities in Tel Aviv, like they're empty. You walk you walk the street at, on Friday night, um, and there's nobody there, whether religious or not religious, conservative or not. Everybody's having dinner with. With their family, or, or, or with, with their because friends. I noticed in in the diaspora, people are reaching out, and I think with COVID and the isolation, people are searching for meaning and want this tradition, this anchor, something they can hold on to that's firm and doesn't move. It's like a manual that helps you know. Okay, now what's next? Because everything's out of control, but the Torah has been there continuously, three thousand three hundred years old. We're doing the same thing. It's like a stable anchor that we can hold on to. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was just curious if that's the case. One, 100%, 100%. I mean, that's the thing. Like I found that that in, you know, outside of Israel, you have to actively um, pursue, pursue your Jewish yes. identity. Because if yes. you're not part, if, if you're living... If you're living in Australia, if you're living in America, and you're not part of the community, um, let's say you don't go, you don't go to synagogue. You, you, you're not part yeah. of that. Very quickly, you know, you lose all aspects of your um, of your identity, which yeah. is which is yeah. which which for me is is invaluable. Where 
in in Israel it's everywhere it's because you know mm -hmm. this is this you know it's it's our, it's our holy land it's just just living here there, there's something to that it's not a pass i think <laughs> it's not i i don't think that you know because you live in 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 Israel you don't there's no value or you don't um, I don't like yeah, the word the word need. I don't think you need to do anything. I think that I think we we observe um, because there's immense immense value and there's so many gifts and there's so much beauty um, yeah. to to be gained from that. But sure. uh, even so more. Can so I just so. actually ask, what about you know taking it a step further? Um, you know, you might be that person, that Jewish person that someone reaches out to because of your unique place uh, at work with your multiple different positions, you might be the only Jewish person somebody might know in Australia. Or for example, you might be the only observant person someone in Israel might reach out to and feel that you can relate to them because you've got both aspects. Well, um, 100, 100%, how do you like, feel? We've like the training camps, specifically the training camps that we do here in Israel. So um, I've got a business where, where we, we bring people from all over the world um, who, mm have an interest in Krav Maga and train Krav Maga. And they mm -hmm. come to Israel to learn Krav Maga. These are generally, yes. it's it's that it's a beautiful camp. We, we do, we have instructor certification courses, but even we have, what I'm specifically talking about is the camp where we have people who've maybe been training Krav Maga for a couple of years or a couple of months, or sometimes we have people who haven't trained Krav Maga yet, but want yes. to experience it and they want to make sure that when they do it for the first time, they want to try it in Israel, you know, in, in sure. with, with the top instructors and in the birthplace of Krav Maga. So we take them around and we, we have a bus and we travel and we train in, in Jerusalem, we train Krav Maga in Kesaria. So we take the opportunity while they're in Israel, not just to you know to get the highest level of Krav Maga training, but also to to you know to experience it in the birthplace of Israel to really get yes. a, get an understanding of it. It's it's kind of <laughs> I, I okay. Excuse me. For, You're the shliach to Krav Maga, as they say. No, it's it's like <laughs> You're spreading uh, the light of Krav Maga, but through Judaism. Maybe 50 levels lower than, you know, studying Kabbalah and Sfat, right? There's something right. you can study Kabbalah, but if you study Kabbalah and Sfat in the home, there's something of doing it yes. in You're that immersed place. In it. Okay, yes. so this is something much less holy, much less sec secular, but it's it's the idea of, of, of doing something. They're phenomenal Krav Maga instructors in America and Australia. I mean, I've trained a lot of them, um, and it's certainly a worthwhile pursuit, but doing it in Israel, there's, there's something of connectivity. Um, okay, so through that... Um, those training, I've got to meet a lot of very unique people. And it's mm. different than people who normally come to visit Israel. Because these mm. aren't people who are coming just for tourism. Yes, it's part mm -hmm. of it. But they're coming for first and foremost for the Krav Maga training. Um, yeah. And um, we've had so many beautiful, beautiful experiences. Um, one, one, of, uh, one of the students, he actually started, um, he's, he, he's Russian, Jewish, um, had a very secular uh, upbringing, didn't have much connection to his Judaism, much less, you know, he's, he, he was Jewish, but he, he was kind of separated from that part of his identity, um, certainly from any religious aspects of, of Judaism. Mm -hmm. uh, and he started training Krav Maga um, in Sydney with, with me and with my mm -hmm. students. And he made it to, to, to Israel to train Krav Maga. And I remember, you know, with him in, in the Kotel, and the first time in front of the Kotel, putting on tefillin for, I think the first time, I, I don't wow. think he even had a, had a bar mitzvah, right? And he's there and like just experience, for me, I was just in awe, kind of just seeing it, just just being part of it, seeing the, the power um, of that. And 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 like, I, I kind of, you know, 
helped him along, you know, find his way and stuff. Somebody, somebody found him, helped him put on fill in. And, and then he looks and, okay, we were there for one. We were set to go for the next, you know, for, ne for the next place. We, we had a tour. We were going to go see, you know, the rest of the, of the Jewish quarter and whatnot. And he looks at me and he's like, do you think I could stay a bit longer? Yeah. <laughs> and I look well, at him and I'm having like, experience. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, take your time, stay as long as you want, have your phone handy. I'll find you. I'll find you when I need to find you. You're not going to leave me here in Jerusalem tonight, but you know, you take your time. And so, you know, some of these experiences, I had a doctor from the United States um, also, you know, who, you know, comes, you know, when people come to you and they go um, like, I'm not Jewish and stuff, you know, my mother was Jewish. And so you look at him and you go like, what, what are you talking about? Of course you're Jewish, you know? And, and, you know, so the people who come to Israel, who, Normally they wouldn't go. Jewish people, not only yes. I'll tell you a story in a second, but not only Jewish. And then all of a sudden, being you know, Israel doesn't matter what your faith is, doesn't matter what what your religion is, doesn't matter. Maybe you don't believe in anything, um, but when you come to Israel, when you come, you there's no way of visiting Jerusalem and just you know and leaving it unchanged. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if if you know. If I'm very happens. touched by the story with the Russian man because it sounds like. You might have been his only direct connection with the spiritual experience of Judaism and putting on those children. I mean, hopefully he, he would continue from that. But if it was his, in fact, his bar mitzvah, you would be the first person who gave him the opportunity to put tefillin on. And that's that's lifelong. That's it's called a karkafta, someone who'd never put on tefillin before. Mm -hmm. Like you're really helping people through a different avenue, perhaps. It's, but I, connecting I, I with love, Hashem on a deep level. I, I love you know, my country so much. Um, I love Israel mm -hmm. so much. And there's so like, it's such a privilege to be able to share it through the eyes of people who've never been here, never seen it. And, and, you know, I was, like Jerusalem, there's, it doesn't, you can't visit Jerusalem with the spirituality doesn't that get so you can be a complete atheist. You could, you know, never, you know, and, and you come to, you feel, you feel something, yeah. you don't, you can't put words to it, but you absolutely, sure. you absolutely feel something. We take them to Yad Vashem, which is, which is sure. very important. Um, I had, uh, today is a very good friend of mine. Um, I had these, um, it was, it was just two years ago now, COVID was, uh, not last uh, November, the one before. Um, in one of the camps, we had we had uh, two two German guys. We have a lot, you know, Kravman guys huge in Germany. We have a lot of participants from Germany. Got a lot of friends in in Germany who who train Kravmaga. Um, and we had these two guys, you know, at the beginning of the camp. But you know, they they were a bit different. Like they they didn't speak English so well, and um, you know, big tattoos on their arms and all over, and they looked a bit rough around. No, um, you know, being in the in doing what I do, I'm I'm very comfortable mm -hmm. with you know, uh, people who are rough around the edges and you know and and yeah. um, but okay, I looked at these guys and I go, okay, I wonder how they're going to do in the camp. I, I wonder if they're going to have a good time or not. I wonder if they're going to fit in the group because they kind of kept to themselves and I didn't really get to know them so so, so much then. They, they they were fine and everything was good and um. Before we were going to Yad Vashem, Yad Vashem is an interesting one because yes. I always take my groups to Yad Vashem. For me, you know, you can't understand Krav Maga without understanding the Holocaust. You just can't. You can't. If you train yeah. Krav Maga, you need to know what happened to the Holocaust. And also, you know, if you train with me, if you're part of me, there's no way that, you know, that, you know, I do a journey with people without... You know, it's part of it. If you want to get Israel, if you want to get Krav Maga, you got to you got to understand the Holocaust. Yeah. And yes. 
you go to anyways, but certainly if, if that's if that's your pursuit. Um, and and Yad Vashem is a tricky one because it's 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 not easy. It's it's certainly you know as it trigger as, a lot of people and uh, emotionally and yeah. Look, as um, actually the first time I, I visited Yad Vashem, my tour guide she was uh, she was German. It was it was a mm. woman who 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 chose amazing. She was young also too, maybe in her in her. Uh, late 30s, 40s, and she chose to come to Israel and to volunteer in Yad Vashem to teach Jewish people and to teach people around the, about the whole. It was beautiful. That's very special. And but but it's also it's I recognize that it's not easy. I recognize that you know as 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 a German, as somebody who you know maybe you, your your grandparents, maybe you know, maybe yeah. you don't know, maybe it's it's I. I can't imagine what it would be like yes. to go through a tour group yes. where some of them yes. are Jews, some are Americans, some are you know French, some are English, and then as a German, I'm sure you feel that everybody's eyes and everything's on on you. It's not easy, and you know, and some people, you know, many go. Some people on the Advashem day they go. I'm not feeling so good. Um, mm. I'm going to stay at the hotel today. No judgments. One hundred percent. Like. You know, even for me, like I, I have a hard time. Like my, my limit is, I can do Yad Vashem three, three times a year. Any more than three yeah. times a year, like it breaks me every time. Mm. Every time I go there. So if if you listen, Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Museum, um, in in Jerusalem, and like it just it breaks every time I go, it breaks something in my in my spirit, and <laughs> it takes me a couple of days to get back to myself. So I'm very conscious of that as as well my grandmother was was survivor of auschwitz much of my family mm. was killed over there my grandfather survived Bergen belsen it does something wow. so uh reuven is my the german guys reuven yeah, two german friend. guys and before we came again I, I didn't quite get a chance to get a read on him i'm pretty good at reading people i didn't i couldn't quite read them and before we went to yad vashem he asked he said to me is it okay if if i you know can you give me some time i'd like to say a word in front of the group Hmm. Uh, I go okay. This is interesting. I have no, I literally I have no idea what he's going to say, and um, I say okay. Look, we're just about to go in Yad Vashem and stuff. Afterwards, I I I had to go. I said okay, we'll find some time. I I thought about that, but I said look, I'm pretty confident. That whatever happens, whatever he puts forward, I can handle it. Like uh, it's also about the group. I've got to read whatever it is. Like we'll deal with it. Like it'll be fine. Um, and so the next day we had a big like exercise because the final day of the camp um we take them to wingate stand dunes they run up they, they do some of the tests that we do in the uh military krav maga instructor certification um so people can experience krav maga to full extent it's fun you run up and down the hill you can barely breathe people attack you with rubber knives and with with uh, with sticks wow. and stuff i mean for us it's fun right and uh, by the time you finish the camp, it's that's your idea of fun as well. But so we finish. It's beautiful. It's morning. This we start very early. We start at about four a.m. Sun is just coming up. Um, we give out the, the the certificates at the end of the camp and everything. And then he comes up to me and he said, "Ron, you you promised me I could say a word." And I said, "You're right. You're right. I did." So we're standing there on top of the cliffs. He goes in front. He, his English was so-so. Um, there was a, there was an American guy who spoke German quite well, so he translated. And and Reuven shares in front of the whole group. He says, "Look, you know, um, as as a German, I wanted to share uh, the the weight that that I, I feel 
and the responsibility of, you know, my, my grandparents, my parents are German, my grandparents are German in the Holocaust. And I wanted to give you my promise that everything I can do in life, that something like this never happens again. This is, this is my mission. And he, 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 and he was in tears. Everybody was in tears. We removed and, and, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that. And I came forward and I said, you know, it's something that, that you know, we share together from different sides. It's, it's a joint responsibility that, 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 that uh, Jews and the Germans have to make sure that, you know, nothing like the Holocaust could ever happen again and you know these are the type of experiences that ha happen in in our in a training camp whether it's from the, the jewish and and you know me me and reuven we were friends we, we became we were very very good it was it was a bond and we we're very good friends to this day people who come to our camps it's not just a krav maga camp when people come to israel and they go to yerushalayim they train kesaria and you know they, they hang out in the restaurants in tel aviv and you know they go through the intense training that we do in the camp these are friendships that stay for a lifetime. And now, you know, two years, three years down the track, we have a WhatsApp group. Um, one of the, one of the women um, just had a baby, and you know, they, the Europeans visit each other, the Americans visit the Europeans, the Europeans, so the Australians, and it's it's this thing that that brings, for me, what Krav Maga does, um, it brings people who normally wouldn't, um, yeah. you know, come together and. I mean, when you're training physically together, when you're grabbing, when you're punching each other, there's you're yeah. gonna have a lot of trust in between each yeah. other and it builds these bonds. Like, um, you know, you, I know of people who've done yoga in the same place for for seven, ten years, and they've met never met a single person. They're very social people, right? And sure. in Krav Maga, like, there's no way you do three lessons and you don't you don't yeah. grow away with friends, and that's that's something quite unique. So I don't know if I've quite answered your question. I've went yes. quite around, but. Thank you. No, we got a very beautiful idea. Now you can say you do bar mitzvahs too, in addition <laughs> to everything else on your trips. It's great. And I'm really, really impressed to hear about these beautiful stories. You're touching people, you're touching lives. And this is something very relevant and very important today. It's, it's, it's making communication between cultures and between religions and opening our eyes to other people's point of view and opening their eyes to the Israel's point of view and nothing like being in Israel to understand and really see the beauty of Israel because the media unfortunately out there is really not giving at all a good rap to Israel or to Israel and, and to what amazing, amazing inventions and light Israel's bringing to the world. And I'll just end with this. You know, recently we had the, the tragedy in Surfside, Florida. Mm -hmm. And at first when they asked to bring the Israeli teams, it wasn't going to happen. But eventually, Baruch Hashem, the Israeli teams came and helped and cheered. But together as a team, they worked as a team with the Americans and the um, Miami patrols. And to see people working together for a common goal of good, that is what this world is all about. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And Hashem should continue to give your family blessing and your business blessing and for the new year i want to wish that your success should continue to grow and you should have bracha on every area and keep on that filling because you never know which young man coming through your doors had never been uh, having that experience and um you could be really not just touching people's physical health but their spiritual and emotional health as well so thank you again and we look forward to doing a part two sometime 
Um, I love the blend of the Krav Maga and the psychology and the Torah. It just was so interesting this evening to speak with you. And um, please send my best regards to Ruth and to your two girls. And um, we look forward to catching up again soon. And uh, look out for my son because he's coming to Yeshiva in a week or so. And I'd love him to say hello as well. I'd love to see him. And Thanks, and Ron. Thank you so Have much a good evening. Thank That's you so much. Pleasure, my honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you.